Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Dirt Road Circuit Riders Podcast. I am Steve McVeigh, and as always, I am joined. We are here together with Doug, the speaker guy who runs an amazing youth ministry, yeah, uh, cooperative youth ministry. We're going to come back and talk to you a little bit. I do it later, all myself. Doug. It's all by myself. All by himself. <laughs> he does it completely by himself. Wow. He is the puppeteer. And then we have the one and only Michael Houle, who is a legend in the Vineyard Movement. And regularly advocates for us invisible pastors in rural America. You're the one who can, every once in a while, you're given that national voice, Mike, where you just say, hey, us rural people exist and we matter. And they're always surprised because like the invisible man, I kind of show up out of nowhere. You're like, who is that guy? Why did they let him, why did they let a guy from a small town come to this meeting? It's usually by accident, actually. We, we need to go to where the people are. That, anyway, we better get on target today. So in our last podcast... In our last podcast, we were talking about how one of the things that we do as we as we take on this new reality, we help our churches walk away from this "we just need to survive" mentality to a "we just need to serve" mentality, and we begin to look at our community needs. We talk to law enforcement, we talk to educators, we talk to healthcare providers. We identify a need, and one of the things we said is if if we there's something we do really well. We minister in the community. We reach, we use our gifts to serve the community. And if there's a community need that is bigger than us, we talked about reaching out to other churches. And sometimes, I just want to, I just, so what we're going to talk about today is how do you do that? How do you, as a rural pastor, bring churches together around community needs? And, and Michael, you've been just sharing with us some amazing things that are happening here in Chippewa Falls, but but there's this this thing that's happening here real shortly where you're you're loving Chippewa Falls, and and why don't you just tell us real quickly about that? Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I, we were just as we were talking, I received an e- an email which uh, kind of cracked me up um, from what we call a Love Chippewa group. So we decided to form a group together, pastors, and it came out of a like I said, a few crises. One was a, an accident for some girls girls, unfortunately, were um, killed in a drive by. And the pastor started meeting after that, realized we had to work together. And we started with like one simple step. We said one simple step. We started praying one hour a day, one hour a week on Thursday mornings and in, in here in our church here from like eight to nine. So you prayed together first. Yeah. And we had, yeah. sometimes we'd have five people, sometimes we'd have three, but we had faithfully three hours show up and then it would vary from there. And we started to look at the needs of our community. And out of it, we, we decided like some of the things were like a lot of medical needs or dentistry needs and things like that. 
So we set up what's called a, a free clinic once, once a year where we provide a, a bunch of stuff. And, and here's, I'm just going to give you a rundown of what they're providing this time. And I'm going to tell you what little our church does for this and how every church has their own role. Absolutely. So we're going to provide dentistry, vision. That includes eyeglasses, by the way. Uh, Christian mental, mental health counseling, clothing, food drive, family pictures, foot care. We're going to have a meal there, by the way. Haircuts, auto care, chiropractic, uh, massage therapy, which intrigues me. Um, medical, um, doctors, obviously nurses, and budget management, which I think is a, a big thing. And believe it or not, each one of those is a different church attached or a couple are taking a few things on. How many churches are involved in this? This is nine. I think actually 10 now. I just saw that they added wow. somebody. So, we so 10 church. churches come together and serve their community. Whoa. Correct. And, and these really and, practical too. And very practical and really real. And so we can get on board with this, right? So yeah. theologically, we all believe that Jesus... Died on the cross, rose on the third day, and all the first order and most of the second order stuff we actually agree on, you know. And so we don't we, we kind of took that off the table right away. So this is where we're going to agree, and we're going to understand there's things we don't we're going to disagree on, but we're going to focus on prayer, and we're going to focus on what the needs of our community is. Sounds pretty basic, but it works really well. So like our church, which is not a large church, takes care of the the, the food part of it because we have the pantry here, mm-hmm. and that's our logic. Mm-hmm. We have another church who. Uh, the gentleman has, he has actually was a, an eye doctor at one point in his life and has all access to all these free um, glasses. Wow. So we're kind of blessed by that. But everything we do, there's a different name attached to it. I think I'm looking at here, there's only two names I see twice in the entire list. Wow. And that tells you what's going on. And so they'll have, we'll have 100 volunteers come in for a, a Saturday morning from actually 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. We'll set up the night before, we'll be tore down before three, and we will pray together. We'll actually do some songs together. Hmm. It's really an amazing experience. But it started with prayer. And I want to stress that. Instead of a few of us saying, we're going to pray, we know there's a need, we know this is real. Hmm. You know, that just, it sounds so amazing. But a part of this podcast is like, okay, we want to be real. Okay, we want to be real. So in my my pastoral ministry, I've, um, other than in college, while I was in, while I was studying for the ministry, I pastored in a, a small church. But I was really just in training there. I've I've been in two churches um, in my in my ministry life. The first one was a, a very small church in a large town with mega churches all around. And the idea, I, I'm just I'm just going to lay this out, and then just I mean, let's be real. I always hesitated to partner with larger churches who had better worship and better children's programs and right. better because I was afraid, okay, this is this was a holy thought. This was like, mm-hmm. you know, I tell Jesus about this. I was afraid if I partnered, I might lose people mm-hmm. when they saw the better programs. Hey, that yeah. was even a lot of peas. That worked out really well. Yeah. Then the ministry that that I'm known for is Lamont Wesleyan Church, a town of 40 that ended up with a church of around 350 before we started doing satellites and all that kind of stuff. And we became a regional church and we found it hard to do like we, when we saw the needs of the community, we would start a project. So one of the things that Lamont Wesleyan church does is every kid. And I mean, every kid rich or poor in the Madison school district receives their school a backpack with all of the it costs us ten thousand dollars to do this it's a small school there's only like 20 people in each class Mm -hmm. you know so it isn't that i mean because we're a small community but but we find it hard we're on the other side of that now we're like we're talking about cooperative youth ministry and stuff like that and literally you, you know how you hear things behind the scenes we've had a local pastor say behind the scenes not to us 
you know, why would I join you guys in a cooperative youth ministry? I know if I do that, those people are going to start going to your church. You know, you have a worship band, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. And so hmm. how do we overcome that? And, and we have an expert sitting here. I mean, we really do. We have Doug. For those of you who we don't, do. we, who I don't looking know, at the, I was looking at the toy turtle over there. Well, just remember the uh, an, uh, a spurt is a drip under pressure, hmm. an X is a used to be. So we have a used to be drip under pressure here, who really can help us with this. In all joking aside, I'm so 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 you know Crossroads Farm has a campus in South Central um, Michigan that has fourteen rural churches that allow Crossroads Farm to bring their youth ministries together and runs a, and other, lots of other churches are a part of it, but there are 14 churches that are actively, that you would say, where is your youth ministry? And they would say, it's Crossroads Farm. Then up in the northwest part, up in, in northwest part of uh, Michigan, they have a campus that has 10 churches that have come together to to do youth ministry. And if you think about that whole transfer thing, like like you're going to lose people and all that kind of stuff, youth are the, I mean, you know, if you get a teen to come to your church, you get their whole family and none of us have teens. So I imagine that's even sensitive. And I know you're going to Harrison County, Ohio, and you have five churches that have already, you're starting a new one. And so Doug... Um, we've heard from Mike that he prayed together with the pastors. We've heard that he came to some theological understanding, like here are the big things and we're going to agree on those. And I really do believe I'm not going to partner with someone who doesn't believe that Jesus rose again from the dead, yeah. is the son of God, and that the scriptures as the, the canon, I mean, I got to be careful because I'm thinking about, but I would really like to know how you make that happen. That's and Mike, you want to jump in? I just want to say real quick, that's correct. I mean, that was the big things for us, yeah. was was the orthodoxy of the church. So I line up the orthodoxy. I mean, because I know you're a Bible-believing organization. Yeah. Yeah. Can, can, can Mike and I just look you square in the eye and say, how do you do that? I mean, how do you get churches to really, in, in rural, they, they have this survival mentality. There, there's a, the problem of possibly a lot of, of shifting from one church to the other. How do you get? How do we get rural churches to cooperate with each other in ministry? Yeah, and I, I mentioned um, thanks for <laughs> thanks for throwing that to me. Um, I don't I don't think we're an expert. We want a magic bullet. Yeah, yeah I don't think I don't think uh, anybody in our organization would claim to be an expert. I think what we would say is that God has uniquely laid His hand on our ministry, and some of that is because of ideology, and uh, I, I just think that that's pretty important. So I'd start by saying this, that it takes time to develop those networks. You just, you know, if you have something going on, people are going to be naturally a little leery of it, especially if kids want to come for, in our case, churches struggle to put together youth groups that are of any kind of size. And so, you know, they're afraid that we're going to steal their kids. And so the first thing I would say is that we made our intentions extremely clear. We said, we don't want your kids because we're not a church. Now, if you're a church, Mm, you have to say, we're not in competition with you. We're not trying to get your people to come here. In fact, we would rather them be at your church, um, which has been one of our DNA components. We want people to find the church that has theological soundness to it, that preaches a resurrected Christ, 
but we also want them to go where they feel comfortable, where the theology has met their personal spiritual need. So I, I like that concept. That means that I don't have a dog in the fight. I have 12 dogs, but they're not fighting. We're fighting a bigger enemy and that's Satan. Once you've said that, um, people are like, yeah, I know that's what you're saying, but... And so I would say that it is time in the saddle where you say the same thing. You say the same thing over and over again. Look, we're not trying to get your kids. We couldn't, we don't do a church. And the beauty of this is over time, pastors will start to believe that. And they begin to trust each other because we have a no compete uh, uh, um, collection of pastors. They're not competing. So as you deal with us rural pastors, because like the, like the one thing that you said that us pastors can't relate to, we do have a church. You don't sure. have a church. We yeah. do have a church. But you don't have to compete with other churches. And so how, like, what would you, can you just pinpoint some things for us? Like, yeah. what do you, what are you seeing in us churches that are sort of like little kingdom minded rather than big kingdom minded? Yeah. How do we overcome that? Well, first of all, um, open handedness. When I'm holding on to my ministry tightly, because this is my fiefdom, my little kingdom, God's not in control of that. I am. And so we, we literally are talking about a sin issue, a pride issue. Say that again, Mike, because I, I mean, yeah. I'm being very serious here. I, I, said, I said, Mike, Doug. I, I get confused too. I call no, myself yes. Mike all the time. Say it again. Uh, Say it again, Doug. What, you think it's a it's, sin it's issue? It's a sin issue. If, I'm, if I have a pride over my flock and I hoard my flock at the expense of their own spiritual benefit, that sin is a spiritual leader. And I would say, beyond, I'd be honest that I think somehow we've acted like we're McDonald's versus Burger King as churches. Yeah. I thought we were on the same team last yeah. I read. Right, so, right. So I want to be open-handed, but that guy down the road is actively recruiting my people. You worry about you. That's my response to everybody. You worry about you. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to fix you. I'm not trying to fix him. What's God telling you? And here's, like I said the last time, what you find is that as pastors begin to trust each other, other pastors will begin to trust them. Not everybody, but some. Some will. Yeah, and so let's talk about not everybody. Because okay. here's the thing. I do believe it's a sin issue. Okay. And I agree. I, also, I mean, I'm not judging anyone here. Right. Yeah. Well, like, that's not my role. Well, by this, yeah, by, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, that you love one another. Right. Okay, and so... The sin issue can come in all sorts of different ways. It can come from those of us, like we used to say, okay, here's confession time. You know, when we were becoming a regional, uh, a regional church, a church alive is worth the, the, the drive. Mm -hmm. A church is dead, stay in bed. And in doing that, we were judging ministries other than ourselves. Right. So mm -hmm. we were judgmental because we were successful. We had to let that go. The part of us moving from being a lake to a river, we, as a successful church, we had to confess that. There are other churches that need to confess the survival mindset. But, but let's be clear about how you do this, because here's some things that we have to be practical. I have churches that I work with on a regular basis who are in two of your ministry regions. Yeah. Okay, so like your, your South Central yep. Michigan campus, yep. I have churches that I work with within 10 miles of your church that are or, or 10 miles of your ministry that are not a part of your ministry. Yep. I think they should be, but they have their reasons for not yep. being it. The same with your Northwest Michigan one. And the same is true in Harrison County too. Yeah. Well, there's one church in Harrison County I reached out to and I, and I don't work with them 
regularly. They're not in my network, they're, but they're a part right. of my denomination. Right. And I call them up and I'm like, hey, you know, and there was just no interest there. Yeah. One of the things you have to do is you have to go with the goers and not judge those who aren't a part of it, but find churches that are willing to do this, do it well with them, and then always welcome those other people in, but don't judge them. So we've had that same experience. You're saying, oh, it's an amazing chip. It must be the exception to the rule. You have these nine churches, 10 churches now working together. Mm-hmm. How incredible is that? And then I'll say, yeah, but <laughs> there are churches out there that have been very adversarial or very competitive. And at first it was hard. We probably were judging back. And we asked, here's my confession as a pastor today. That I probably was like, how dare you do this? Don't you know the value? But then we realized that's not the right approach. That that's not how Jesus would do. So we kept we keep inviting them in every time. Now we don't hear from them much anymore, but the f- simple fact of our mindset towards them, I think, has brought greater unity to our group and more of showing the love of Christ to our community because they're watching yeah. us do the opposite. Yeah. And some of them can't partner with us theologically. Like they're like, that's true. And so it took me a while to overcome this, but we're just going to name it because we're on little. You know, this, this podcast, we want to be real. We have, we have Lutheran pastors that come from the evangelical wing of the Lutheran church who are not allowed to partner in some ways. They have a heart to partner. And so like in one of our ministerial groups, we like to have community Thanksgiving services and they can't attend. And if we do it at their church, they have to run the show. Part of being cooperative is to let them run, to do it at their church and let them run the show to say, we understand you're part of this community, but you have some theological, so, but they can help us serve the community. And so can I, even when I don't, like if I go to their church, they're not going to serve me communion. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm an ordained pastor. Can I still love them and appreciate them? It's, I have to model what I'm, because, because, you know, there's things about my denominator, like, there are some people that want to partner with us. My denomination firmly believes that Phoebe and Priscilla deserve a place in the pulpit. Okay, that's and there are others who would say no. So they're having to hold their nose a little bit to partner with me. And so I have to be open for that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you have to be unilaterally concerned about the success of each church in a network because yes. we're really talking about ministry networks, right? Yeah. <clears throat> for us, um, people, uh, we heard it all the time. That's great for those churches that really need this. We don't. And I will tell you that the biggest hurdle that you deal with in networking is that in order to network, you have to have a tremendous amount of humility for a church to say, we can't do this ourselves. We have some areas that we need to borrow from each other. And I think if you don't have that humility, you're not going to ever network together. And isn't it interesting that we'll get up on a Sunday morning and preach from, from, you know, first Corinthians 12 and talk about how, you know, there are some of us that are the arm and some of us that are the hand and all this kind of stuff. And we see that in our congregation, but refuse to see how that works in our community and to say, maybe our congregation is a hand and we need someone that, you know, and God has placed another church in our community that is the foot and in our community, the whole body of Christ needs to come together. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, we talked about revival and one of the things that happens is revival very seldom stays within its denominational lines. 
Yep. And we talk yes. about missionaries. Right. Very true. Okay. Do you know when you go overseas that that mission that denominational lines disappear with missionaries? Mm-hmm. You know, and so I know we're I know we're getting close here on time. Yeah. But but what we want you to hear is that like when we started the season, we we're talking about okay, what is it that God wants to do? And and how do we engage and we've talked about a lot of good things. But one of the things that we really believe, what we're saying here in this podcast, one of the things that we really believe is that Bible-believing churches need to come together to take on the mission field. Yeah, I I would agree with that entirely. I would say one last thing, Uh, and I, I think it's pretty critical to remind ourselves consistently. Look, none of us do this perfectly. We all rely on each other. I, I want revival and I want it at all costs. I, you know, yes, I yes. want it at all costs. And I have to be equally excited about the church that takes in kids and those kids find Jesus and find fellowship and it had nothing to do with us. I have to be okay with that. I'm not even okay. Yeah. This is the body of Christ. I, I'm preaching it. Honestly, though, there are many times where as the leader of a hub ministry, a cooperative or I, you know, my teeth get graded. I'm like, why are we doing that? Why are you doing that, man? I mean, just, you know, because I'm like everybody else. It, it centers around me. Absolutely. And if it doesn't, it grinds me a little bit. I'm like, come on, <laughs> man. If you just would all agree, I'm not everybody's pastor. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, our next podcast is going to have most likely a really special interview and we go in sort of a different direction from here in this season. Um, we want revival. That's yes. what we want. We want revival. And we believe part of that is churches coming together. We believe part of that is is churches uh, ministering to their communities. Part of that, I mean, everything that we've talked about this season from the very, very beginning mm-hmm. of, you know, let's discern what the Spirit's doing. Um, I, I just think it would be fitting for us to end this podcast and this little part of this season just with a prayer over our pastors. Yeah. Sure. And and so, Michael, um, your church has just exemplified so much of what we've been talking about today. Would you just pray for every pastor and maybe even a parishioner who's listening to this, who's thinking about the implications of of what it means to stop worrying about survival, to start worrying about serving, and maybe possibly even partnering with other congregations. Would you just pray for them? We thank Leanne Swihart. We we thank all the people that make this happen, but let's just end this podcast with a prayer. So Jesus, we just thank you for who you are in our lives. We thank you for your presence in our lives. And Jesus, I ask right now for a heart check for all of us. Wherever we're at, that you heart check us right now that you speak to us of what we need to lay down, what we need to confess. Maybe it's survivalist. Maybe it's judgment. Maybe it's the fact of just we lack trust. I think number one sin sometimes in our lives is just the lack of trust with God. And so Jesus, just have us a heart check. And I pray, Lord, that you just show each person listening to this today or whenever they're listening to this, that they hear your voice say to them, go there like they did next. Go there next do this next spirit just lead them to where they need to be in their communities have them experience the reality of what it means to bless their town what it means to experience joy in that 
And Lord, I pray, Lord, that you, that you find connections for each person in other churches as well. That they find fresh life in that. And I pray for revival for each rural community that is hearing this today. That they experience revival. And not revival the way we want it or how we think it should look, but the way you want it, Lord. And just, we just thank you for that. I thank you that you are such a great God and that you love us so much to do these things through us. And remind us of that today, the next, and the next. And may we just experience that love and grace and mercy. May we be that light to others. May your light shine through us. And may we be the joy for people to experience your glory. And in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we'll see you down the trail. Absolutely. Thank you for joining us today. And we will see you next time. Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee, supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at ThinkOrange.com, wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at CrossroadsFarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA, equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus, making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash USA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.crossroadsfarm.org Dirt Roads Network transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.dirtroadsnetwork.com For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.